0: remember going the first Sunday and you know there were probably 200 people there most of them were LGBTQ so I had never seen that many people (laughs) who were in same gender loving relationships together in one place outside of a bar (laughs) and uh, it was incredibly moving.
1: From NCPR welcome to Northwards people ideas and conversations from and about northern New York Vermont and beyond I'm Mitch Teich. Support for the Northwards podcast comes from St. Lawrence University, where a strong liberal arts tradition with real-world applications equips students to solve 21st century challenges. stlawu.edu. Northwards is a podcast about the North Country, the people who live here, the things they do, or the way the region shapes them. Lauren Bennett wasn't born in the North Country, and she doesn't live here now, but her time in the region left a huge positive mark on her and, in turn, allows her to help better the lives of the people with whom she works. Bennett is actually the Reverend Lauren Bennett. The St. Lawrence University graduate is a pastor in the Metropolitan Community Church, a denomination with a largely LGBTQ membership serving a congregation in St. Louis. The story of her upbringing, her time in the North Country, and her journey to the ministry is a compelling one. It's one I first heard her share over dinner last fall, and I invited her to join us from St. Louis to talk more. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to be here and grateful to see you again.
1: <laughs> Likewise, I want to start by flashing you back to your time in the North Country. Uh, when you were a student at St. Lawrence, Do you remember what you were expecting or thinking about doing with your life when you came here?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) What I expected was that I would meet people that I didn't know. I didn't know anyone when I went there and that um, I would get to study abroad and that sort of thing. But I had no idea really what I wanted to do with my life after college. I was really just focused on having a great college experience.
1: (laughs) Well, and so your, your undergraduate major was what?
0: Uh, so I uh, majored in global studies with a uh, minor in economics and francophone studies, French. So, yeah.
1: So this does not sound necessarily like a recipe for going into the ministry. As you were going through college at St. Lawrence, did you have a feeling like you were going to go and work for an NGO or, you know, what, what was the evolution in your mind of, of what you could be from that point?
0: Yeah, I definitely did not see myself as a minister. I still kind of chuckle at the fact that I have a reverend before my name. (laughs) That seems so strange. Um, When I was graduating, I was really looking for absolutely anything I could do. I, you know, was recruited to work for the uh, AmeriCorps and didn't get the job in the end, which I was really surprised by, like AmeriCorps hardly even pays. And I talked to the people and they were like, oh, yeah, you'd be a great fit. And then I didn't get a job. So I was really desperate for anything. I wanted to work something in a nonprofit NGO sort of sphere. Um, In global studies, we we really are trained into looking at power structures in the world. And um, I really was uh, convicted to work For the people in some way. And so uh, one of my professors actually at St. Lawrence told me about community organizing and working with groups of nonprofits to do public policy advocacy. So I applied to this job. I feel like it was definitely divine intervention. I I got it. (laughs) It was very competitive job and I really had no credential to do it whatsoever. And um, that's the place that hired me. So I moved to Florida. I packed up everything that i owned and put it in my little subaru and drove myself to florida uh, and worked as a community organizer there for for 3 years and community organizing it differs from kind of organization to organization but the one that i worked for was a faith-based community organizing group which i was sort of ambivalent about to be honest <laughs> you know most of the the uh, churches that were involved were Catholic or Baptist background. And I didn't really fit this sort of open, inclusive theology that I had sort of learned about in college and wanted to really experience and be a part of more. Um, But I loved the idea of bringing people together to work for justice and bringing people together who would never meet each other <laughs> who only met each other because they wanted a better education system for their children or wanted policing structures that were more equitable and so taking that job really felt like it met so many different pieces of what I what I really wanted to do and really introduced me to all sorts of different people of faith that I never would have interacted with beforehand
1: right so so what had your connection to organized religion been up until that point
0: Yeah. So growing up, uh, our families were like priesters. Like we went to church on Christmas and Easter, and that's pretty much it. I I had never
1: heard that term until just now.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure it's a technical term, but we can call it one. (laughs) Put it on Urban Dictionary or something. (laughs) But my dad and my mom had both sort of grown up religious, doing the same sort of thing just for holidays. So I think they felt like they should give me some kind of spiritual understanding, but weren't that committed to it. So, um, so we would just go on the holidays. And in high school, I kind of fell in with a group of people who were very religious and practiced more of a kind of fundamental religious understanding, more conservative Christian, like probably more aligned with the Southern Baptist Church, if there was one. They were non-denominational churches, but if you had to sort of find a place to put it in the spectrum of churches, right. that's where they would go and. I was like wooed, honestly, by the music and some of that at first. But soon I really felt like the belief system of those churches did not match what I felt. I completely rejected that. I grew up in a neighborhood with people of all different backgrounds from all over the world who had different religious traditions. And I just didn't believe at all that, you know, you had to believe in one specific deity or person or anything like that in order to be good or to have some sort of eternal benefit. And so I really rejected Christianity growing up. And then in college, I took this class my first semester called Amazing Grace, the Black Church in White America, co-taught by Reverend Sean Whitehead, who's the chaplain now at St. Lawrence. And uh, she was at the time, she was the associate, but now she's the chaplain and uh, Laura Desmond. And that class, really opened me up to a different kind of Christianity. The texts that we read were mostly from liberation theologians. So those are people who look at the scriptures from the perspective of the people, most often the marginalized. So looking at how the stories of Jesus or the stories of, of God, or the stories um, of different people throughout the Bible, what they mean, for the masses, not just for the elite or for the individual, um, what they mean for the community—that was like a completely different way <laughs> of understanding the church. So I was really convicted that there was there was an alternative way to understanding tradition and understanding um, what it could be to be Christian. That there was a way to be Christian that held intention, belief in other religions and practice of other religions, because Christianity then is about how do we respond to the other? How do we create communities that are more equitable and more just and more loving for for every person, especially the person who we've often deemed as unlovable in our societies?
1: Even so, you could have lived with these lessons as part of your life without going into the ministry. What happened to change that?
0: The call into ministry for me happened unexpectedly, like many of these things. When I was organizing, I loved bringing people together from different backgrounds to to build power and to do justice in the world. And I felt like something was missing in my life at the same time. I missed out on having connections of, with people that were like day-to-day connections because we were so focused on doing the work, you know, so we were not ministers, we were organizers. So we were very focused on that kind of thing. So in speaking with so many clergy, we worked with so many clergy throughout the, the county and in talking to them about their experience and what they loved about ministry and what they loved about their people and, you know, things that made their hearts sing and things that made their hearts break. So much of it was also about the ways that they were being shaped by their community. And as an organizer, I got a taste of that, right? Like many times when we would meet with people, we'd ask them, what keeps you up at night? Or what makes you angry, right? Questions that get so deep, so quickly into your heart and into those things that really do cause you the greatest of joys and the greatest of sorrows. So I loved that. And I loved being able to hold that space with people, but it was often very short. And what I was learning from listening to the experience of other ministers was that they got to be in that for the long term with people, you know, over months at least, but more likely years and getting to journey with people over their, their triumphs and their struggles and getting to see them grow and change. And, and I, I felt like there was something in that that I was I was missing, and I wanted. Um, I started getting more involved with a church, and uh, well, that I was trying to recruit, honestly, for our organization, but it totally failed. They, did, <laughs> they were not interested at all. It was a LGBT-centered congregation. It was a, a congregation within Metropolitan Community Churches, the first MCC I ever I ever encountered, and. I remember going the first Sunday and, you know, there were probably 200 people there. Most of them were LGBTQ. So many people in some same gender loving relationships. And I had never seen that many people who were in same gender loving relationships together in one place outside of a bar. (laughs) uh, It was incredibly moving. And as I sat on the back pew, because that's a great place to, you know, look out and see like who's who and what's going on in any place. It's just in the back. So I loved that. And So it was just so incredibly amazing to see people interact with each other. And I felt in that moment that there was there was just something there that I would be a part of something like this community in a bigger way than I could be as an organizer. So I think that was the start of um of something happening in my heart to open me up to to ministry and to to focusing on one community.
1: Tell us about the the significance of the of the MCC as a denomination.
0: Sure. So uh, MCC was started in 1968, and Troy Perry's little pink house in LA, and <laughs> he put an ad in the Advocate newspaper to come to church. And the Advocate newspaper is a LGBT paper, or was at the time, and. 12 people came, very biblical, 12 people came and and they gathered around a coffee table. Troy was a defrocked minister, twice defrocked, actually. So he wore all his vestments and, you know, consecrated communion around a coffee table. And in that started the first ministry that was centered on welcoming LGBTQ people. Troy is a gay man himself. And um, so from that very first day made... His story of coming out and his story of being in a same gender loving relationship, uh, a cornerstone of a belief system that really is centered on the understanding that God creates all of creation, including the ways that we love one another, and was revolutionary at the time uh, and still is in many places. And so MCC started in that very humble sort of way and has now expanded to be a queer-centered or LGBTQ-centered ministry that has ministries around the world. Often people gather in, uh, you know, all kinds of places now. Some people, because of the political situation where they might be, um, some of them gather in secret, in secret meetings and take secret names. And some are more like our church, which is very sort of we meet in a kind of traditional building and you know we livestream all of our services just like <laughs> any other church so it's it's definitely shifted over the years
1: obviously while still respecting the uh, particular issues and the particular people that you minister to are many of the questions that you deal with among your parishioners about the intersection of spirituality and sexuality
0: Absolutely I Really a better way to summarize MCC's ministry is a place that is centered on the merging of sexuality and spirituality. That comes out in a lot of different ways. Before marriage equality, that was a lot of doing marriages for people who couldn't get legally married, but um, could get married in our churches by our ministers. In some places that can look like advocacy in certain ways. Um, There's a lot of, you know, international advocacy that we can do because of that, too. And a lot of our people come from places where they couldn't bring their sexuality to church. They had to leave it at the door. I mean, there are people who come to church who have experiences of being told they cannot participate in communion because they've they've been told, you're not welcome to this table if you're in a a same-gender-loving relationship. And so being centered on merging sexuality and spirituality is so freeing for so many people who have been told that they cannot be the way that they are <laughs> and the way that God has created them to be. And and so our our ministry tends to be like theologically kind of all over the place because people come from so many different backgrounds because of that. But the one thing that we can agree on <laughs> is that like, God created all of us in different ways, and that is to be celebrated. And that uh, God doesn't, uh, God doesn't care who you're sleeping with. Uh, God cares how you live your life and how we build community, how we treat one another. Um, that to bar each other from participation in community is a greater sin than anything else. And uh, LGBT people have a unique position in the world to be able to open us up to a different way of being, a different way of seeing. Many people define queer as like the turning over, like to, to look at things from below or to, to look at things from the marginalized perspective, to flip it from the dominant culture, any of those kinds of ways of of looking at, at culture. And so bringing together a whole bunch of people who live their lives in a queer way also invites us into seeing God in a different way, which is a gift to everyone. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you sleep with or who you're attracted to or not attracted to. Uh, it's a gift, though, we all need in our world.
1: Why was it important for you to pursue this through the ministry? As a I mean, it sounds a lot of what you're talking about. If you if you take got out of the equation, which maybe as a minister, you can't, um, you could have been a, a psychologist or a social worker. Why was it important to uh, to to make sure that God was part of the equation for you?
0: Hmm. I think, um, like, starting in that class that I took at St. Lawrence with Sean, there's two pieces. One is that I, I've seen how the church can hurt people. I um, how church can isolate people when they're uh, when they're kicked out of community, sometimes even kicked out of family because of religious beliefs. I feel a sense of of duty, maybe. maybe that sounds too audacious or <laughs> too grandiose, but a sense of duty to be a part of the Christian community that is is showing a different way and to, and to create communities where people can see a different way of interpreting scripture of seeing God in the world. For me, it was so revolutionary in my life. I think I would have never given religion a second chance if it weren't for that class at St. Lawrence. And so that to me is is important because especially in America, we live in a country that you know, a certain brand of Christianity has has really taken over the christian name and like the name of jesus and all these things like i don't even want to talk about that because it, it means something in a certain way to most people in america because of the way it's used in politics and in communities and families and i i think that for the most part many of those communities are are grossly misusing scripture and making it about individuals making it about following some sort of rubric that makes you good or bad and all of these things that are, it's not at all about that. In my understanding, all of our faith practices should bring us to each other and help us to look at the most marginalized in our society as as an indication of how we're doing, not to look at how big our bank accounts are. (laughs) That is not a good indication of if we're doing good or not. Uh, People's lives and well-being should be the marker of success as a culture. The second part is I really feel like church is a very unique space in that people from all different backgrounds come together to experience something of this mysterious you know, relationship we might have with the divine, but also to learn from each other, you know, being a psychologist or working with people one-on-one, I think is really important. And we need that. And, uh, you know, as much as I love to work with people one-on-one, I think there's something mysterious really that happens when we come together in community and church does that in such a unique way, you know, I think church is the only place I come to where I can talk to a two-year-old the same day as I can talk to a 90-year-old. You know, It's (laughs) incredible. And I can talk with someone who grew up poor and someone who grew up rich. And I can talk to someone who has one understanding of who Jesus is in the world and someone who has a completely different one. And they choose to come together anyway in this unique place. And so I think for me, church... It helps me to respond to community in a different way. It helps me to be more open and more spacious to the ways of interpreting the world and how to live in it and how to do our best to take care of each other. And I'm constantly sharpened by other people's opinions in a way that can happen one-on-one and absolutely does, but happens in a completely different way in community.
1: Well, I want to say this in the spirit in which you were just describing it. I I truly am grateful for the, the time we had together here. And uh, thank you for, for sharing your story with us. Hmm.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It really means a lot to be here. And I'm grateful for the work that you do to help us get to know each other differently through this program.
1: The Reverend Lauren Bennett graduated from St. Lawrence University in 2011. She is now an ordained minister in the Metropolitan Community Church, serving a mainly LGBTQ congregation in St. Louis, which is where she joined us from via Zoom. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Northwards. I'm Mitch Tyke I hope you enjoyed our interview and you can catch new content every Friday right here or wherever you get your podcasts. Find out more about Northwards and NCPR on our mobile app or at our website, ncpr.org. And while you're there, make a donation to support everything you hear on North Country Public Radio. Northwards is an NCPR podcast production. The show is written, edited, and produced by Mitch Tyke with digital production supervision by me, Ethan Shanty. Caitlin Kelly handles our social media. Bill Hanel is our digital director. And Doyle Dean is our production manager. Music is by the Wickmore Jazz Trio of Plattsburgh. To support this show and find more podcasts, visit ncpr.org. This is NCPR, North Country Public Radio.